They say that a week is a long time in politics, and certainly this week has done nothing to challenge that. On last week's programme, Chris Thomas MHK called for Minister Ashford's resignation as a result of the findings of the Industrial Tribunal looking into the dismissal of Dr Rosalind Ranson. Only a few days earlier, Minister Ashford was adamant that he would not resign and had done nothing wrong. In Tuesday on Tinwell, the Chief Minister was given permission to deliver a statement responding to the tribunal findings. The statement was filled with the new and previously stated policies and indeed it appeared that everything but the kitchen sink was thrown into the statement. The statement was, though, very light on um, the tribunal's findings and the questions which followed the statement were curtailed by the president of Tynwald due to the ongoing threads of inquiry which led from the tribunal's findings. The chief minister, when asked if he had confidence in the treasury minister, chose not to offer a direct answer. And from that moment on, the treasury minister cut a lonely political figure. So it was not wholly unexpected that by Friday afternoon the Treasury Minister's resignation was announced. I'm joined on today's programme by former Chief Minister Tony Brown and the MHK who first called for David Ashford's resignation, Chris Thomas MHK. But first, we'll hear from the Chief Minister. David and I sat down on Monday. David told me that he wished to resign um, at at that time. Walking out the door as Treasury Minister... um, is a difficult task because you do need to replace that role immediately. And I did ask David for a period of reflection and also allow me the time to consider how we were going to provide the right continuity within the Council of Ministers. Has it been a distraction this week? Well, it's been an eventful week. I want to be clear that, you know, I absolutely acknowledge the shortcomings um, that have been revealed in that tribunal findings. There are a number of consequences as a result of that. I've laid that out in the statement. Uh, I bid farewell um, to the Chief Secretary who retired, who determined to retire on um, Monday, the uh, Treasury Minister going, um, and now restructuring, a small restructure within uh, Council of Ministers. Yeah, clearly it's been a busy, busy week. You were asked in Tinwald whether you had faith, essentially, in the Treasury Minister at that time. Obviously, with his resignation on the table, I could understand why at that point you didn't feel obliged to answer. Did you still have faith in his ability? David Ashford has served the island tremendously well over a very, very difficult period. And let's just remember, you know, he was thrust into the spotlight as health minister at a period of public health crisis, um, a period when many people um, were confused and didn't understand what was um, going on, were looking for significant reassurance. I believe David Ashford managed to do that uh, extremely well um, and led the health service um, through that very turbulent um, period and you know, has been of great assistance in helping me form the new administration, putting together the island plan and, of course, has delivered the first uh, budget of the new administration. So, um, D- David, I goes with my thanks, uh, acknowledgement and recognition. When my colleague spoke to Mr Ashford last week and asked him whether he would be tendering his resignation, he said no because he hadn't been directly involved. Do you believe that's changed? Well, uh, David has written a letter 
uh, that that letter is published and I think that is up to David. I think for me now it is about the future. Uh, I'm delighted that Alex Allenson has decided to step up to the mark. I think Alex has already proven himself in terms of his role at the Department for Enterprise. He's done an admirable job in education and I think he'll be an excellent um, Treasury Minister. And we're facing huge numbers of, of, of challenges, not least, of course, uh, cost of living uh, challenge and crisis. And, and, and I know that Alex is determined to help council get to grips with that and find the appropriate way forward. You touched on the issue of replacing a Treasury Minister. It's not something you can do instantly. How difficult does that make it then going forward, particularly midway through a financial year? When, when I say you can replace instantly, it obviously would have been very difficult on Monday when I was dealing with a huge number of events to have determined straight away the replacement for um, D- David Ashford. I think David has demonstrated his selflessness um, to me and to council by uh, agreeing that, that we would have this period of reflection um, and has enabled me to have a period of uh, a thought process and discussion process, which, which means that uh, you know, the right decisions have, have been made and the right people are now being put into, into post. Of course, you mentioned there that Dr Allinson will be taking on the Treasury Minister role. That does still leave you a minister short. Do you have a timeline? Uh, well, we're not going to, to to rush into this. There's a huge amount going on. I think we've made the commitments that we're re-evaluating the role of the um, Chief Secretary. We are doing a, a number of fulfilling a number of commitments now with regards to sorting out um, uh, uh, human resources and culture issues um, across government. And we've also made a commitment to, now to, to look at the size of uh, government and, and what that means for the future. So there is a short period of, of reflection necessary for me to have discussions now um, with council. Uh, as to what uh, the future scope and, and, and structure looks like. And, and we will tend to do that and, and then make the irrelevant appointment as, uh, as necessary. Is it disruptive for you, though, so early in your administration to have to make this change? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't planned. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, you know, look, there's been a huge amount going on from COVID, the, the tail end of, of, of COVID pre, pre-Christmas, um, getting together the, the, the island plan, putting out a first uh, budget, uh, war in the Ukraine and the consequences of that, the, the inflation issue that was happening in any case, energy prices, the gas company, uh, and uh, uh, clearly now tribunal findings. We have to launch, a, uh, of course, an inquiry, a full full review um, into COVID. We're getting on with that now. And the opportunity now, is it, it's necessary now to, to, to take the opportunity to, to actually get to grips with some issues that have been around for some time um, in government and that have been crystallised, I think, by the findings that have come forward in this tribunal. I caught up with the Chief Minister's fellow heir, Michael MHK, Tim Johnson, yesterday and asked for his reaction. David has tendered his resignation. Um, I think it was the right thing to do, Um, listening to the Chief Minister on Tuesday, making the statement. Clearly indicating the absolute need, which I fully agree with, of drawing a line. Um, I think it's absolutely vital that the government does that. Um, Otherwise, it's just going to be Groundhog Day. It's not going to be able to move forward, um, and it it needs to do that. There's so many challenges now. We we know we're all seeing. The challenges of the economy going forward, we need a government that's focused and getting on with the job. We don't need distractions, so I think it's the right decision. Um, There's a lot more to come out yet, we know that, so we're just going to have to see how things play out from here. And David, 
Ashford is going to be a significant loss to the Manx government. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think we mustn't underestimate the the pressures and, and the challenges that people have had to um, take and make over the last two, three years with the COVID crisis. Incredibly difficult time. Clearly mistakes have been made, but also lots of really difficult decisions. And, you know, David is is a bright guy you know he's he's a, he's a good political operator um but right now i think he's he's made the right decision should the chief minister have accepted his resignation on monday when it was offered do you think um i think the chief minister sort of explained the situation there obviously that it's, it's such a critical role um that um on on a practical basis there were there were things that need to be put in train and to keep make sure things are, there's continuity and things keep moving forward. So I, I, I think I can understand the, the, the timeline of what's happened there. So that was Tim Johnson. He obviously felt that the uh, resignation was the right thing to do and also felt that the Chief Minister's handling of this uh, was correct. Uh, I'm joined in the studio by uh, a former Chief Minister, Tony Brown, and indeed the MHK, who I think first called for the Treasury Minister to resign. We had hoped that Claire Christian would be able to join us, but unfortunately uh, she she's unwell today, so not able to join us. But I do have a clip uh, later from a pre-recorded programme as I said at the introduction a week is a long time in politics we had a a pre-recorded programme all ready to go and then of course uh, the resignation of uh, uh, the Treasury Minister was announced so uh, Chris Thomas you you asked for David Ashford's resignation Uh, do you think that this has been handled well Uh, is this the right thing for him to have done? Yeah he he was right to resign but I hope he reflects on what he said in his letter and makes a different set of points in his statement on Tuesday because essentially the way I read his letter is I did nothing wrong and um, I was sort of hounded out, neither of which I believe are true. So I think if he wants to to make his resignation as useful as possible for his future, and he has got a great political future, I'm sure, I think he ought to say something different on um, Tuesday. I think the Manx public expect him to reflect on what he's learned from the uh, tribunal findings because I think they do raise some questions about um, the Nolan principles and about government and how the um, COVID uh, response was handled from DHSC and by council and ministers and I hope that he can say something different and something additional in his statement on Tuesday. So specifically then what do you think he has done wrong? Well, if you go through the um, Nolan principles, leadership, holders of public office should exhibit these principles in their own behaviour and treat others with respect. Quite clearly, he didn't along the way. He made some quite nasty comments about some of the medical advisers and other people during the process. In terms of um, objectivity, holders of public office must act and take decisions impartially, fairly and on merit. And that clearly didn't seem to have happened, given what the um, tribunal found. In essence, what the tribunal said was he, by the end when he was giving evidence to them he was hardly credible that's the gist of what they said and secondly he was um, uh, conceivably um, misinformed about what was going on and neither of which are great qualities to have as minister David Ashford is an excellent constituency MHK by all accounts he's certainly a a politician with a great future and has done incredible things and I do hope he learns from this and says something different in his statement on Tuesday and I should add I have invited both David Ashford and his successor to join us on the programme but unfortunately neither was available although uh, David has uh, 
promised me that at some point uh, during the week uh, we we will be able excellent. to get that's one of his great qualities i mean he got his mbe because of his his excellence in communication and explaining mm. simple things and doing questions i hope he might look back and say did i make that right call because he put himself and howard quayle and himself put themselves in front of the public I, I had the um, honour to have the Deputy Chief Minister of Guernsey to my house for, for dinner which during the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. She was Minister of Health at the time of the Covid crisis in Guernsey and she took a very different approach. She decided to put the medical doctor and the public health officials frontline and centre and she came in and dealt with the political bits. And I hope Minister Ashford will reflect on whether that might have been a way of going about it in the Isle of Man because uh, you know the, the, we haven't as yet had the Covid inquiry. It could be that, we, that, that our inquiry will find that um, it was absolutely brilliant to have politicians making all the decisions based on this command structure with one civil servant filtering through all the health advice. I don't think so and I won't be submitting that evidence and obviously I was there March, April, May in the Council of Ministers and I was pretty much involved um, subsequently as a backbencher. So Tony Brown, uh, former Chief Minister, I don't think you had anything uh, quite as dramatic as as this to deal with. Um, Obviously you you had your own uh, challenges along the way. uh, what's your initial reaction to to what has been, uh, in, in anyone's estimation, a fairly momentous uh, week in Manx politics? Well, I think the first thing I'd say is I think that it's likely that David Dashworth is going through a difficult time. Um, no matter what we think in politics, and politics is about uh, battling away, <coughs> parling against each other and doing what you think is right, and uh, you sometimes get a position like this where, unfortunately, something doesn't go right and the minister rightly um, has to resign um, but I don't think we should take away from that that there is a human side he is a person yeah. he has a family um, and all his friends will feel it for him and he will be finding himself feeling very down at the moment because um, for whatever reasons he he um, believes that what he did was right I think it's worth making the point you know a minister doesn't have to do anything wrong to have to resign it's what his department does that matters uh, the the minister is the department. Uh, when we brought in the ministerial government, I was on the uh, select committee that um, developed the system uh, as it was in 1986 and brought in in 86 and then developed in 1987 to a, a proper ministerial system. And it was quite clear that what we all wanted, uh, and I still believe it's the right thing, is that somebody has to be politically accountable for what goes on in the Isle of Man. And the whole system is based on the minister is ultimately responsible. And he or she is responsible for the actions of the officers in their department. Uh, the minister's job is, of course, is first and foremost to protect the public interest. Yes, they have to protect their department as well, but only to a certain level. And ultimately, they're there to look after the public interest, not look after the department's interest. They do overlap a bit, um, but it is critically important, especially in a system like ours where we don't have party politics, that the ministers are actually very focused on their role and, in fact, challenge their officers uh, quite deeply at times uh, at what they're doing. And it seems to be that in this case, that wasn't done. That's what it seems to be from the public perspective anyway. And... Of course, um, there is a great political appetite for politicians uh, accepting responsibility for their departments. The the difficult um, uh, thing, of course, is assessing when, you know, what level of of errors and 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 problems within a department are sufficient to to warrant a, a minister deciding that ultimately they have to go. 
Well, I, th I think the point to make clear is that the ministerial system was brought in so that there was an individual directly responsible to a chief minister, to his colleague ministers, to Tinwald and to the House of Keys. Uh, and that was important because prior to that, the government and Tinwald were one. And we had about 26 boards of Tinwald and everybody was on every board. In fact, everybody was on two or three boards. And there was nobody accepted responsibility for anything. Um, and that was deemed in the uh, mid-80s as not being sustainable, which it wasn't. And, of course, the changes were made for the 1986 uh, general election to come in after it. And then subsequently, as I say, in 87, we changed the law again, which meant that the minister was the department. Now, with authority comes responsibility and you can't avoid that and you shouldn't avoid it and I hope to some degree and while I have a lot of sympathy for the position David finds himself in um, I hope that to some degree it actually is a wake-up call for other ministers and in fact members of Tinwald in general um, you know people expect them to accept their responsibilities they accept, expect them um, to be focused on what they're doing and the job isn't easy the job can be very challenging and can be very time-consuming but that's the role and if you want to be a minister you have to be very committed to it and ultimately you have to accept responsibility if anything goes wrong and that can be at a, an office at a very low level if it goes wrong to a certain degree that is really deemed not right the minister ultimately is the one who will fall and should fall and clearly in this case uh, David Ashford has decided that it is the right time to go um, were you surprised at all, uh, Tony, about the way in which which this has been handled by the chief minister? I mean, to to a certain extent, you know, he, he's the treasury minister turns up on, on, in his office on the Monday morning and says, "Look, I think it's time for me to go." Um, there's a big Tinwald sitting the following day. The chief secretary's uh, uh, announced his his early departure, uh, although rumours still continue to swirl as to whether he jumped or, or was he pushed. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there's an awful lot on the chief minister's plate. Um, so would, he, sh would should he have accepted the resignation straight away or uh, was, it, was he right to wait till the end of the week? Well, it's difficult for me. In fact, I shouldn't uh, comment on what he did because I don't know the conversation between himself and his minister. Um, and I don't know what went on or why he thinks he dealt with it the way he did. I can only reflect on how I would have dealt with it. And to be honest, if a minister had come to me um, to resign, then my view would have been the resignation would happen straight away. And in fact, I would have filled his position or her position within 24 hours and any subsequent knock-on effects. Because what is important in that level of politics at that high level is actually giving certainty back to the public and certainty comes with making decisions quickly and firmly. Um, and this matter is proceeding as it is. That's a matter for the chief minister. And I think we just have to respect he will deal with it, as every chief minister does, deal with it in their own way. And you're looking around the, the, the current turmoil that we have, where do you think the chief minister, or indeed any of the ministers, would go to get good, sound political advice? Well, polit politicians pick up from the public. Um, they're not delegates, clearly, they're representatives, so listening to people is important. I always took that view, talking to people, listening to people, considering what's being said, uh, learning, watching what's going on, being very involved in your departmental work, being very involved in your other work that goes outside of that, which is, of course, dealing with legislation, dealing with Tinwell matters. 
Um, it's very broad. It, it, I mean, it's it's a job that's hard to describe in a way because until you're in there, you don't really know um, the implications of the role that you're taking on on behalf of the public. I think what's important, though, is you always have to have in the back of your mind that you are representing the public. You are not representing yourself and you're not representing the department. You're there, if you get a department role as a minister, to oversee the department to ensure it meets the needs of the public. And there's lots of things go into that, so it's simple just to say it in that short term, but, I mean, it's far broader than that, um, and we haven't time to go into that. But, I mean, quite clearly, um, members of Tinwald, and especially ministers, have to be focused. And, you know, you might be a nice guy, and I hope I was always a nice guy, but when you're in the position of a minister, you can be Mr Nice or Mrs Nice or Miss Nice, but you've got to make a decision. And sometimes that decision is not what your officers want. The answer to that is tough. The book stops with the minister. And uh, Chris Thomas, have you been sat by the phone waiting for the phone call from the chief minister? Uh, I haven't had a phone call and uh, haven't been sat by the phone. And I, I wanted to associate myself with everything that a former chief minister says about it and perhaps um, and perhaps add some uh, at least one thought. Firstly, I think uh, what this tribunal sh shows, the findings particularly, is that the civil service has grown in responsibility by the sound of it since uh, since Mr Brown's um, day. And I think that's something that we need to re reflect on as a House of Keys and as a, as a represented society very quickly because so many people around Douglas and indeed around the whole of the Isle of Man have said to me, Chris, we have a, a real crisis at the moment. You always knew that the politicians, the senior politicians, were getting good advice, but I'm really not sure at the moment whether we've got um, a, a good chief officer group and whether we've got um, senior politicians who are getting the right advice. So that so that question is being asked of me. And Chris, make sure you respond in the light of that uh, knowledge. Is what's been said to me. You know, we are at a moment of public service. Uh, you know, certainly problem, if not crisis. And could, I mean, to, just to follow on from that, I think the issue is that what has seen to be happening. And, you know, got to accept I'm not in there anymore. But what seems to be happening is that the civil service at senior level has become stronger. Um, they have become more influential. And Manx politics is not English politics. Um, we're different. And, and a lot of the what I call English creep of uh, civil service uh, control has come into the Isle of Man in recent years. And that's been detrimental to us because we're all, as politicians, and I'm not one now, but Chris is, and as he, he, he's just saying, are close to the people. If you're down in Westminster, you know, 200 miles away your constituents, you've got people feeding information, but you're not that close. Uh, in the Isle of Man, you know, you're representing a small number of people, relatively speaking, it's very direct politics. They can ring you up at home. They can speak to you in the pub. They can speak to you in the cafe, uh, which, you know, other politicians outside bigger places in the Isle of Man don't really understand, even in Scotland and, and the Wales, that, you know, they're so much bigger. So I do think it's important that um, from this, I hope the lesson is learned, not that the system is necessarily wrong, but that the ministers need to be stronger and be firmer on what they're doing and be clear on what they want. Do you, do you think it's possible that um, these errors within DHSC could have been avoided had there been a more experienced um, Tinwald? Um, you know, we, we effectively had a relatively inexperienced House of Keys last time round uh, who then went and elected a very inexperienced Legislative Council. Do you think, do you think that, that has had an impact on this? 
Well, it does. I mean, it's not the first time that the House of Keys has had a big change of numbers in, in terms of membership after a general election. Um, I mean, in 76, I think over half the House was changed. And when I went in in 81, uh, there was eight of us new members out of 24. So the turnover of the House <coughs> of Keys um, certainly has been quite volatile over the years. That's democracy. Um, but, you know, once you become a minister, you either learn very quickly how to deal with issues or you don't. Critically important is Tinwald and the House of Keys, but Tinwald especially, to hold the ministers to account uh, on policies and what they're doing. Um, the Keys, of course, predominantly should concentrate on its legislation, which I have to say in the last eight months it doesn't seem to be doing. I think there's been four bills or something like that, very few. Um, and legislation is critically important to the way of life of the Isle of Man. It determines how we have opportunities and what we do, how we live. Um, so I think that, you know, from the point of view as I see it, from an outside point of view now, is yes, Tinwald isn't being as focused on making the ministers stand to account. And I do think sometimes some of the private briefings actually are putting members off, challenging ministers in Tinwald itself, which is where, of course, they should be challenging them. And Chris Thomas, I mean, do you think if the likes of uh, Peter Caron with his aggressive and intense questioning uh, had still been in the House of Keys, the department would have been able to get away with uh, the, the issues that have arisen yeah. um, that, you know, that is a good point in the House of Keys. And, yeah, Peter Caron, like all, all of us, had his strengths and his weaknesses, and I'm absolutely sure he would have been going at it like a, like a terrier or some other sort of uh, thing. But it's not only the House of Keys we've got to focus on. We've also got to focus on the Legislative Council because I think the Legislative Council has become politicised in the last five or six years. I, I can certainly think of people in my mind who were, who were sort of bringing people into the Legislative Council as part of their political armoury, mm. and whereas traditionally it was an aldermanic type body of experienced senior people who would have knocked heads together and um, prevented um, lots of things. So it, you know, now it's changed. I think we've perhaps once change has happened, it's quite hard to go back. So we've got to re revisit the role of the Legislative Council. And I think it needs to become more of a legislative committee and we need to re-see re how we get the um, scrutiny inside the politics. Going back to this idea that we're public representatives, um, every person matters, but in places like DHSC, there are certain groups of professionals who really, really matter. And the other thing that I think uh, we can draw out of what's happened is that the um, the doctors and the nurses and the um, and the professionals and all of this feel sidelined. People have been phoning me to say, Chris, you wouldn't believe what goes on in a typical DHSC meeting now. There's one of us who knows what what's going on with the procedure under question, and then we're swamped by 24 people who come across as administrator types, civil service types. And so that's something I hope that uh, Minister Ashwood will reflect on and um, others around him and Minister Hooper will reflect on because I do think it's, you know, every person in the Isle of Man matters in terms of a democracy but also in every area we need to listen to those who really know what they're talking about and I think we've lost that, you know, whether it be scientists in Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture, whether it be people who really know about maintenance in the Department of Infrastructure, whether it's education in, in, the, in the Department of Education, whether it's uh, people who drive buses and use buses in the in the bus division and so on. We, there's so many professionals that uh, somehow feel marginalised and that can't be healthy and we've got to put back in place a harmonised public service but also one where those who really know what's going on actually really have the ear of those who are making the decisions about what's going on. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll have a look at perhaps how to fix this <clears throat> after the break. Sweet. 
So, um, as I said earlier in the programme, I uh, I did actually have a, a, a beautiful programme all ready to run and it will be available as a, as a podcast if anyone wishes uh, to to have a listen to hear a little bit more. Particularly, uh, I had Sam Turton and Alistair Ramsey giving some thoughts as to whether or not the uh, Treasury Minister should go. Um, but there's, uh, I, I thought I ought to turn the, the, the table a little bit on Claire Christian. Claire Christian had specifically asked the Chief Minister uh, did he have confidence in the uh, Treasury Minister? So I, I asked her, and and follow up to that, uh, Joni Farragher, who joined us on the on the pre-recorded program. Uh, I asked them, did they have confidence in the Chief Min- in the Treasury Minister? So uh, Claire uh, Christian, I mean, you you asked the Chief Minister, uh, did he have confidence in the Treasury Minister? Uh, so I ask you the same question. Do you have confidence in the Treasury Minister? No. No, I don't. That's uh, a simple, simple answer. And your reasons for that? Um, I, have reasons, I have reasons that I can't disclose. Um, I have gone through that with Minister Ashford. Um, but it's very clear, obviously, I mean, we can't talk about the tribunal, but obviously upon reading that, and anybody can read that, so, you know, they, they can pick out the parts that I'm sure I am I can pick out, um, makes it very worrying um, uh, reading. I believe that, you know, it's, it's very difficult to know what to say. Sorry, Phil. Um, look, ultimately, did he brush aside a senior medical director um, and for the sake of what reasons does he do this elsewhere I would be very worried that that would be happening um, he's used in his words chain of command we can talk about that that's public you know that's that's not something that's in the hearing I don't believe chain of command should be used um, with regards to receiving information yes for giving out orders if you're in the military but not about receiving information especially when um you know lives are at risk and you're you know we went into the most terrifying situation a pandemic that this this you know country has never seen likes of before so as as Joni says in our lifetime um and so for those reasons, no, I, d- I don't have confidence. And that does worry me that he's also in a, in a position now. And, and we can go on, and you know, and I, I've recently communicated today with, with the Treasury Minister on a separate subject to do with pensions, um, to do with the state pension, to say that, you know, the 3.1% isn't enough. I'm concerned about that. He's talking about that we have to stay with the, with the UK on the triple lock. I don't agree with that. So I don't have faith with him in many areas. Um, not just less to do with this tribunal. So, so uh, Joni, I suppose I, I, I'd ask you the same uh, question. Uh, do you have faith in the Treasury Minister? No, and I think, you know, you, you do put your own standards on it, and I think if I was in that situation, I would feel like I should resign, and it's the right thing to do. Um, and the reasons, really, are whether it was... Whether it was a, in good faith or not, I suppose, as in whether he really did believe um, the, what the CEO was telling him or, or not, he did not make good judgment in actually obtaining all the facts and made decisions based upon that very biased judgment that, that had been presented to him. And it wasn't as though he wasn't aware 
that this was a potential concern because we know uh, from last week's programme that uh, both councillor ministers and the department were fully aware that this uh, this sort of spat was going on uh, and indeed members of both Comin and the department had urged uh, Minister Ashford to speak with the uh, medical director. That's right, exactly. And um, as you know, as Claire's just said, we can't really talk about what what's actually happened in the tribunal. But that that there are lots and lots of um, implications of that that judgment, which is runs to two hundred and three pages. But there are and there is an awful lot in there that when you read it, it it's it's very um, eye opening and, and concerning. If you know, if we do have have. That the same person in charge of the public purse for me it seems like there are lots of questions that need to be answered first of all and you know we need to pull out what actually happened there and try to stop that from occurring in future but for now I would say that, that yeah if I was in his position I would resign yeah I would too and I, and I have to say that it even if even if he was to resign temporarily while an investigation was being held that would be the honourable thing to do. And I think, as as Joni says, this is learning experiences for us. If we ever find ourselves in those positions ourselves, you know, you hear it now, hear from us. And I think that's really important that, that the public know that there are MHKs there that, that will uphold and be honest and have integrity. And I know that, that working with Joni, I know she, and she really does stand for what she says, and I'd be the same. And, and it absolutely, if it, I hope it never happens in the future. We must, our job is to push back, constantly ask questions to those civil servants. And I agree with the Chief Minister, we're, we're not experts, and it is very encouraging to think that experts could be brought in to help independent experts, to help ministers in those scenarios. So um, that was the views in the pre recorded uh, programme that would have been broadcast had the Treasury Minister not. Uh, tendered his resignation or had the Chief Minister not accepted that resignation. Uh, some interesting comments there, uh, Tony Brown. Yeah, I, I I, mean, I can understand the frustration of members, really, and, and rightly, members are there to uh, put the then minister on the spot, whoever the minister may be. In this case, it was David because of what's happened. Um, I mean, there is, a, you know, I think we can't avoid that it's a very public matter and it's caused a lot of public concern. And, uh, you know... There is a view of trying to blame the system per se, but in fact, you know, you can alter the system, you can do whatever. Ultimately, it will come back to uh, the minister and the council ministers making sure that government and the departments of government are providing the services that the Isle of Man requires. Um, and, and for example, you know, uh, staff have to have um, respect and um, feel confident that they've got the support of their management and that the management listen to them and they can achieve what they want to achieve because people have basic goals where they want to go. They're in a job because most people want to do that job. Um, so I think, you know, the views of the two members there is quite understandable, really. Um, of course, you know, it's very difficult in an interview to really say how focused you are on it. Um, what, one thing I'd like to come back on was a, an issue that um, Chris raised about the Legislative Council and how it's changed over the years, which is absolutely right. Um, but that being said, I think the Legislative Council at the moment, regardless of whether or not they were supported by uh, friends who are MHKs at the time, and maybe MHKs still, uh, is that once they're in that role, they have a job to do. 
and their job again is not to be there to look after their friends and the keys their job is to be there to represent the public and ensure that whatever the keys are doing in terms of legislative terms uh, in fact it's in the public interest and in fact there is an opportunity now uh, and should be for the keys when legislation is coming forward and it goes to the legislative council for the council then to be actually very uh, very focused on the scrutiny of that legislation to ensure that legislation is not being passed that gives uh, extensive powers and authority to government or enables government to avoid the system if you like of our democratic system because if the keys won't do it that's why the Legislative Council are there, and they can reject it and make the keys think again. Uh, ultimately, of course, the keys can always pass the legislation because ultimately the Legislative Council cannot stop the keys. The will of the keys will always carry whatever happens. Um, but what it can do is make them think, question why they're doing things, and if necessary, send it back. And you've obviously still got a fan. Um, it, there's a, a text come in. Uh, what a great analysis by Tony Brown. The Chief Secretary has a lot to answer for. Bullying promotions without advert and interview. Disregard of corporate governance, which is the bedrock of good governance. So, um, any thoughts of a comeback in Castletown? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've had my time. Um, I, I mean, you know, I have a lot of interest, as you know, because you were a minister with me when I was Chief Minister and you served in the Keys when I was in the Keys for quite a time you were there. Um, I mean... I have a keen interest in our constitutional aspect of the Isle of Man, very vehemently um, protective of our system, very much recognising that we don't have a party <coughs> political system, which I do believe is in the Isle's best interest, but that in itself puts a grave responsibility on those who are elected to the House of Keys to look after the people's interests. And they do that through the House of Keys because the House of Keys can act as an opposition we deliberately set up the system that the ministers were in the minority and it's the House of Keys who can actually make the difference because they will make or break a government. We gave them the power um, that if there was a problem they can sack the Chief Minister, oh yes, through Tynwald, but you know they can have a vote of no confidence and if the Chief Minister falls, his ministers fall. All done deliberately so to ensure that we protected the public interest. Now you can put in place whatever mechanisms you want you then rely on the people holding those posts to do their job in a way that is in the public interest. Ultimately, that's what's important. Chris Thomas, uh, <coughs> have you been upholding your role? Uh, have you been uh, doing fighting the good fight uh, sufficiently well? Uh, I don't think so. I think there has been um, so much of a turnover in the last two elections that we do we do lack the sort of corporate memory or the democratic memory. So in two ways. Firstly, I do think the island plan doesn't deal with some really major issues that needed to be dealt with. And what happens next now, Dr. Allenson is in Treasury and, and Mr. Cannon is in Chief Minister is really interesting because they were diametrically opposed on some very important issues. And secondly, I think we have let ourselves down in the House of Keys with the legislation that we've had. It was absolutely shocking, disappointing, frustrating, annoying, everything I can think of that we actually let the... Um, the um, Manx Care Amendment Bill go through in one day and the entire consideration by the Keys and the Legislative Council was one hour, ten minutes and now we're actually going to change primary legislation in the order that comes back in June Timwood, I understand and why couldn't we have done that in the first place? I, was, I could have amended it on the floor if I'd have been given the chance to debate things properly um, so there's two examples and I do think we need to grow um, maturity as quickly as possible because we're in the situation now now uh, David Ashford has come back 
back to the back benches, when I do a quick calculation, there's actually not much more ministerial experience in council ministers than there is on the um, back benches. So I do think that we need to listen to people like Mr Brown and remind ourselves why we're there very quickly and start doing our job more diligently with providing more scrutiny you know, even opposition, as Mr. Brown suggested. Well, it's interesting that, you know, the point that Chris makes about the legislation, the Keys actually debated longer about whether to have prayers than they did about taking through legislation, which was the Manx Care Amendment Bill. Now, I'm sorry, the prayer issue might be sort of important, but the Manx Care Bill will affect how people's rights are. And how can the Keys sit there and spend less time on legislation than it does on whether or not it should have prayers. The public don't understand that, and to be honest, it really is a bit bizarre. I mean, you know, let's get focused on the real issues here. The real issues are about passing law and securing and safeguarding the public's rights. That's what law does, and it's very easy to give those rights through legislation, as it has done in the Manx Care Bill, um, to allow the department not to go back to the keys but only go straight to Tinnell to amend the bill for regulations. Now, I'm sorry, that's not in our best interest as a people or as a nation and I think that needs to be kept a focus on because the danger is that that door has been slightly opened and it gets wider and if it gets wider and too much enabling legislation is put in that allows the government to make major changes which are really matters that should go through the primary legislative process, i.e. through the House of Keys and through the Legislative Council, then the Isle of Man is in real danger. And and of course the the, the problem um, associated with rushing through a one or two clause or or two or three clause bill uh, is um, that if you get away with doing that, well, actually this is only a five or six clause bill and then the next thing there's a six or seven clause and and so it goes on. uh, Can I just say, Phil, I was interested, the justification for the minister when he took this bill to the keys was that Tynwald had approved it unanimously and it was very much supported, but that doesn't take away the importance of the House of Keys to scrutinise the legislation and challenge the minister on what, why are you doing this, what's it about, what's, you know, X, Y and Z, and that didn't happen. You know, Chris challenged on the issue of standing orders and suspending them to take all the readings in one go, second uh, clause of stage and so on. But the point is, the bill didn't get proper scrutiny. And that is why the House of Keys are elected. And, and of course, the, um, the, the, the issue, I mean, the, certainly the, the Treasury Minister said, well, uh, no, sorry, Health Minister uh, said that he, um, you know, it, it, it was a fairly trivial bill. All it did was give them the power to introduce uh, regulation. But of course, uh, the Timberland <laughs> had took the decision, uh, you know, a year earlier that regulation should be brought forward. Yeah. And the Treasury, uh, sorry, I keep calling him Treasury Minister, Health Minister, um, uh, Laurie Hooper did say, well, of course, there were various reasons and he, he explained why the delays had happened. But what he didn't really reasonably explain to me was, uh, well, if it's taken us a year to get to this point, um, and we've we've managed somehow, surely we could we could wait but, a little bit longer. But there's no point looking backwards in one sense. We could, we need to mm. sort out what's really important now. But 
as the Queen and um, is quoting people at the moment, the further you do look back, the yeah. farther you can look forward. So you do need to you know, realise that you've made mistakes and address them quickly. And this is one issue. So essentially, when people see the um, the June order, they will see that the, an order is amending primary legislation. When they see the capacity bill, as far as I read it, there's one clause in there that which basically says in the future, except for five clauses, the whole of the, of the act, as it will be by then, can be amended by order from the Department of Health and Social Care. That can't be Right, enabling legislation. When I took it through for GDPR, it was referencing massive European Union legislation. When it went through for social security and income tax and the like, it's referencing loads of um, legislation that's being looked at somewhere else. We don't want to get into the old trick. Well, apparently people in the past used to say, do everything by secondary legislation because that never goes to the UK. It was an old nationalist uh, mantra, as I understand it. Perhaps you remember it, Phil, from the past, you know, because we can do everything here in the uh, in, 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 on the island if we do it by secondary legislation, but that can't be right. You know, when you're talking about capacity, you're talking about working with advocates and solicitors and doctors and other people involved in life and death decisions, literally, and uh, we, we need more attention to make sure it's right. But let's not, let, let's not deflect ourselves. Minister Hooper was right. We do need to have a better complaint system and we do need to have yeah, a health absolutely. and care on but we need to do it properly while we're doing it. We don't want to set up a body on the hoof. Um, we want to actually do it properly. And that the most important thing where we are post uh, Minister Ashworth's resignation is we do have profound issues in healthcare that we've got to fix. We've got to start listening to medics and we've got to... Um, and lots of other professional people around, uh, around I think, and in enterprise, in treasury, there are so many profound issues. And as soon as possible, we need to move on to to those issues and get away from um, this uh, this uh, distraction of a of a of a resignation that at the moment hasn't been handled. Uh, perfectly as yet perhaps could be improved by what happens on Tuesday but as soon as possible we need to move back to the real issues and that's why I called for Minister Ashford's resignation last Sunday and I don't want people to forget that you know it's not about me it's not about David Ashford it's not about even Mr Brown it's about Manx public interest the public service Absolutely. providing the right health care and, and I think I think on that just to follow that up if I can I mean Chris is absolutely right about you know um, trying to avoid the system if you like the members of the House of Keys, the elected members of the House of Keys, are there to protect the public interest above everything else. And they can only do that if they have the authority and power to consider and pass legislation. If they delegate that through enabling legislation to the executive, and yes, it goes to Tinwell for a one vote for the regulations, that gives immense power to the chief minister and the ministers and the civil service. And to be honest, the MHKs need to be on their guard because they're being drawn in on this very quickly to make changes that are not in the island's best interest. That's my view as an outsider and somebody who understands how the system works. Just then, because we're, we're, we are drawing to the end of the programme, and, and I should say there's a, a loads of text coming in. Unfortunately, I, I've still got my L plates on, so I haven't got, I, I'm not able to, to read everything and, and, and respond. Um, but uh, th there's one text in here uh, which I have to read out. Sorry. Chris is exactly right. So, <laughs> so that, why is he sorry that Chris is right? <laughs> um, so, but but, but uh, I, I just wonder whether in the in the remaining minute or two that we have uh, for this uh, program, if we could have from both of you a, a top three summary of the of the hundred and one things the chief minister threw into his statement uh, to Tinwald uh, on uh, well last Tuesday. What what would you the, the top three things that really need to happen to 
uh, ensure that this government actually does drive a, a, a change agenda forward, do, does address the issues that uh, the Manx public are most interested in? Chris? Number one, healthcare crisis. There are so many issues, the most profoundest of which is that people are now hesitating working for Isla, Isla Man a Health Service, so we're spending a fortune on agency and contracts. Number two, we really need to, across the public service, address unfairness at work, um, bullying, basically. And number three, it was slightly disingenuous uh, to go back to something like the SAVE programme and what's in the pro- in the programme already for protected disclosures. No, so securing added value and efficiency is a good phrase, but most of what um, was there when the SAVE programme petered out won't actually deliver what it's intended to do. And we, we need to be a bit, a bit more ruthless and we need to admit that the island plan doesn't actually tackle the real challenges that we face. Tony? Yeah, well, I mean, just very quickly on that one, there is clearly an issue where a lot of people in the Isle of Man are struggling very much on incomes that are not adequate to meet their needs. And that is a real issue, which I have to say, I don't believe is being tackled. It's all right saying the UK is doing this and that, and we're following them. We can enhance what the UK do. So in other words, the point that was made about the pensions before by one of your earlier interviewees was in fact... Uh, that if necessary, the Ireland government can top it up for a period of time because of the situation we have and do that separately, regardless of what the UK do. The other thing is critically important, I think, from this situation that's arisen, ministers are going to have to be made more accountable and be more focused on what their role is. And I do think that's a real issue, uh, that some of the ministers aren't as clear as they should be on that. And that's a job for the chief minister to keep them uh, under control and, and make sure they account. And I'm sure you remember your days of joy with me. Um, and the other thing is, um, the ministers have got to hold their officers, their senior officers, to account. It's all very well. You work. You have a very strong relationship working with them. You listen to their advice, but ultimately you, the minister, have to make the decision, even if it is not what your senior officer wants. To be blunt, they're there to serve you as minister, not to de- dictate what policy shall be. Well, the other Tony, thing is safeguard uh, the public interest. Excellent stuff. Um, I've enjoyed that. I really have. If you missed the start of the programme, you can listen to this again as a podcast. And, of course, you can also listen to the show that never was, the, um, <laughs> the, 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 previous, the pre-recorded version oh, that would have aired. Mm-hmm.